Hello and welcome to Media Monsters. I am Nick. As always, I am joined by my uncle Alex and his special guest, uh, Matt. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Uh, I'm Matt. Um, me and Alex are good buddies uh, from uh, a little while back, and uh, it's actually super exciting to be here. So, uh, Alex? Yes, yes, yes. It's me, the, uh, <laughs> the resident wise guy. <laughs> And overly opinionated, undereducated, but always savvy, Alex. Uncle Al. Very good. And you are always Nick. Mostly Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, indeed. All right. Um, so uh, today's episode, uh, we are going to be uh, discussing uh, movies that we consider to be masterpieces. But before that, as always... Let's get into uh, what we've been watching this week. So I'll start with you, Al. What have you been watching? Um, I actually I picked back up on uh, Pam and Tommy. I like it. It's a real. Uh, it reminds me a lot of um, either like Wonderland or um, Boogie Nights. A lot like those two. Um, I just watched Lords of Chaos the other night. Uh, the one about um, the uh, what is it? Norwegian black metal band Mayhem. Uh, I had Macaulay Culkin's brother in it, uh, Kiernan, Kiernan Culkin. Uh, great, great watch. Nice, nice feel. Um, those are the two major ones I've been uh, doing this week. All right. Uh, Matt, what have you been uh, been watching? So, so this week, uh, I I guess you could say I caught up on Raised uh, by Wolves, the second season. They're calling it Raised by Wolves 2. Uh right. I, there's as far as I can tell, there's one more episode remaining, and I didn't know that. I typically I like to let a show finish, and then I will watch the whole thing when it's over, so there's no uh, downtime or wild cliffhanger that I have to wait a week for. So that's um, that's the big one that I've been watching this week. And then uh, my brother actually just turned me on to a show called Our Flag Means Death by Taika Waititi. Uh, that's a uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I've only seen the first episode. It's hysterical. I love Taika Waititi's humor. Uh, I, I mean, I can't stress that enough. The guy is hysterical. Yeah. Big fan of Ragnarok. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. I don't. Oh, the, the you're talking about Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I, don't, I haven't seen Ragnarok yet. No, Thor Ragnarok is is actually really good. Did yeah. you guys see? Um, you see Jojo Rabbit? I did. Yeah. I did not see Jojo Rabbit with, as, and I got so many, you have to see it, you have to see it, you have to see it from so many different people. And I just, it's one of those things that I just never got around. It's the uh, the first movie I've ever felt guilty for finding the, the subject matter and setting humorous. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not supposed to find it funny, but it's just, it's, it's such a funny movie. It's so 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 funny well, so they do, uh, they do such a good job like satirizing it that it's like it's it's so it's hard not to laugh so there i mean listen there's there's a fair amount of that stuff that when you take a step back and look at it that really is truly hysterical um and if you can't look past your i guess historical predeterminations to see the humor where it is that's kind of a personal problem yep okay. uh it's funny because like I'm not the biggest Rebel Wilson at all. And she actually does a really, really... She's got some good one-liners in it. And then uh, Sam Rockwell is just Sam Rockwell, but Sam Rockwell does the best Sam Rockwell he can during World War II. 
and it's 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 excellent. It's a he does he does a great job, and and Taika Waititi is very very convincing in his uh, his role. <laughs> Was is there another Sam Rockwell World War Two movie? No, but there's there's a lot of Sam Rockwell as Sam Rockwell movies. <laughs> that's that's very true. That is very uh, true. Yeah. But hey, I mean it's I love Sam Rockwell. You ever seen yeah. Moon? I I have. Actually, yes, I have. And that's that's a yes. Um that's a total yes. Um I love the movie. It's great. We're only what having four total cast members in a whole movie? I think so, yeah. And I may I don't even know if it's four. It might just be three. And two are two of them are the only physical people in the movie. <laughs> and the the third is a voice. And that the 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 voice is like you know, they're it's the co star of the whole thing. It's Matt, have you seen it? Have you seen Moon? I have not seen Moon. I've never even heard of it. Moon um, Moon's it's, awesome. It's by David Bowie's son. Okay. It's I the will... guy the guy who did uh Warcraft, Duncan Jones. Yeah. World yeah. Of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the movie Warcraft. Yeah, okay. I think. Yeah, yeah. I I actually did see that one. Um, I personal opinion, I feel like that is actually a largely slept on movie, um, and it's unfortunate that it didn't do better because I would have liked to see a follow up. Yeah, I've I've heard that take before. I've I've heard you know it it definitely has its defenders. So I'm not yeah. against it or for it. I'm just I'm ambivalent about it. So I I you know I might just watch it one day. I'm on. It, I'm with Nick. I'm with Nick. Um, I'm intrigued. I definitely, I definitely would watch it if there. I definitely, I don't strive to watch it, but I definitely would not turn my nose up and not watch it. So I, I know that a lot of the issue f that uh, surrounds Warcraft specifically is the gamer population, um, and you know, uh, it's it's no secret that game-based movies really take a lot of effort for them to do well, and even the most recent Mortal Kombat on its best day is only an okay movie. Um, <laughs> and I, I really wanted to like that movie because I'm a huge <laughs> Mortal Kombat fan. But Warcraft, I feel like when you watch any movie that has any kind of exterior content that it comes from, be it a uh, book or a comic, you have to look at it with fresh eyes. You can't look at it and say, this is how the game went and this is how I expect the story to go because that's how it, that you shouldn't, you shouldn't put that uh, bias on fresh media. Yeah, oh god, there's nothing worse than like an adaptation that sticks like too closely to the source material cuz then you're just not you're not doing anything with it. You're just transferring mediums at that point and it's it's just boring. Do you know Jimmy Jimmy probably said he probably said one of the best things I've ever heard especially when it comes to adaptations and takes on stories. He once told me, especially with uh, in regards to the Batman movies, you got to look at it as almost like a different artist writing the book. You know, it's like, you know, no one no one blinks and not, you, no one has a problem with it when, you know, let's say, you know, back in the 80s, the, the transfer from like uh, Chris Claremont doing all the X-Men stuff to, you know, Jim Lee or or even the, you know, writing across the different books. Um, and it, I thought it was a, one, probably one of the most valid points I've ever heard. Um, and it always sticks with me about that. That's why I'm not like, oh, Jesus, another one. And it, it's a very, it was very, it was very smart. So props to Jim um, on that one. Right. So even, even in that same vein, like, I feel like, especially for comic book based movies, uh, 
for example, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? It's known that most of the events, while they are pulled from comic book events, they'd have actually no true relevance to what is actually happening in those comics. Um, and the way that story went is completely different. And what I've always thought is that you have to just look at it through the lens of this is just another reality within the multiverse of the story that they're telling. That's uh, which, yeah, yeah, that's that's um, yeah. that's something that I've gone by for you know a long time because I you know I've had friends and family go oh well that's not how it happened well it, it doesn't really quite matter how it <laughs> happened versus do you like what you're paying to see and consume yeah speaking of liking what you're uh, paying to see and consume I watched uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre recently the new one which i was I, I, was gonna, I was gonna ask which one it's the biggest piece of garbage i think i've ever watched in my life like i haven't hated a movie like that in a long time dude i haven't hated so, a movie like that in so so long so conflicting opinion and i know that i am in the small small majority uh-oh i like the new texas chainsaw oh my Mask. god I'll, why i'll probably get a ton of hate for it uh, I sat here on the couch uh, with my girlfriend, and she didn't care for it one bit as we're watching it. And I thought it was so bad that it was actually good. So right, right from the very beginning, when you're introduced to what's very clearly going to be the final girl and her sister, right? I mean, like it's like yeah, that is a like trope throughout slasher movies. Hits you over the head with this like, being the final girl. Basically. Like this is this is the final girl, and that's her sister. Uh, <laughs> Right from the beginning, like, I mean, we're talking like five minutes into the movie where, where they get very political very quickly, which they shouldn't have ever tried to do. Uh, and she makes a comment about the Texan's gun, like immediately, like, and this is probably bad yeah, to say, it's... but when you watch, when you watch a horror movie, there's sometimes you see the, you know, I wish that person would die. And immediately... Oh no, dude. Like I, like I was rooting for everybody to die in this. It, I was like, it... Please let's yes. let's begin this yes. massacre soon because I yes. hate every single person that you've set up here. Yes, immediately, immediately, I wanted the sister to die first. And while I am satisfied with the way she died in the movie, without giving any spoilers, other than the fact that she does in fact die, um, I wanted her to die first, really, really badly within the first few minutes. Uh, the only, <laughs> the only, the only real thing in that movie that doesn't make sense for a Texas Chainsaw movie is when he so he, he gets defensive over his mother when she dies and he skins the mother's face that's not a leather face theme ever at any point in any telling of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre when you see that scene in the field it should have been the the girl that went with them you know what I thought was hilarious about that was do you remember the part in the bus yes yeah he, where everyone should be freaking out when they just all raise their phones. Yes. I and I, I so actually funny. think that that scene is, is glorious for a lot. I mean, your, your cell phone and your camera will not save you in a scene. Bro, when they, when they, when they threatened to cancel Leatherface, I, yes. oh my God, dude, I almost yes. lost it. I, <laughs> You're going to get canceled. God. I, yes. Again, right. again, going way too political in a movie that had no business being that political. Um, but then for him to, to basically cut up everybody on the bus 
was kind of a nice little like your phone and your camera is not going to save you you have to do things for yourself i thought that was kind of an interesting point to make yeah okay. i'm a, i'm a little more worried about the uh, alien movie that fede alvarez is now heading after seeing that though yeah so i'm worried for alien just in the simple fact that it was acquired by disney yeah there there is that but i don't know they they seem to have a weird plan to like shuffle all this stuff to Hulu. Yes. Which is like Yes. It's really it's really like objectionable and weird. Um anyway, to um to make up for the fact that I watch a, a big piece of trash, I watched uh, Shoplifters, which the twenty eighteen Japanese movie. It's it's just like this little family drama about these uh people living like below the poverty line in Japan that's really like touching in sweden is like the exact opposite of texas chainsaw massacre um, nice little nice little palate cleanser <laughs> yes <laughs> um but anyway quick question real fast yes sir. how many how many um how many different leather faces have, how many people have played Leatherface, matt well there's there's the original Leatherface. there's the when they did the reboots i believe it was the same Leatherface in both of those movies um and this is a new Leatherface as well i think so i think that's three yeah. Um, okay. But I I would have don't quote me on that. I would have to look that up. That's that's one of the like random details that I really don't care about. All I care about in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre is how many people he cuts up and I lean towards it should be more. <laughs> Hence it should be double massacre, double yes. stuff. Yes. Yes. <laughs> An Oreo so double. I, stuff. So uh <laughs> you know, uh I don't know if you know Nick, but Alex and I, like I said, we're you know we're buddies from way back. Yeah, uh, I'm a I'm a big horror movie fan, right? And uh, like I like all horror. I like demonic, like possession horror, like the Conjuring storyline, and um, slasher movies are just at the top of my list. And in a slasher movie, you can't go wrong with more slashing. <laughs> I everything. I'm a big horror fan too. I just um you know. I just hope the horror movie I'm watching is good. That's fair. That is that is very fair. Um, <laughs> it and it does it does seem like it's harder and harder to come by one that is good. So we are uh, doing a new segment uh, that we are calling uh, Trailer Showdown. Tra- is that is that the name we've landed on? Trailer Showdown. I think we're gonna go with Trailer Showdown. Kind of like you know, it's like a showdown. You know, two. <laughs> <laughs> Two trailers enter, one trailers leave. <laughs> yeah. Two men enter, one man leaves. But um, <laughs> for this week, we have uh, the Bullet Train trailer, and uh, that is going up against uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent, the uh, Nicolas Cage film where he plays himself. Matt, I don't know if you got a chance to watch these trailers yet. But, so um... Okay, so um, I, I watched most of them. I've seen every trailer on this list except for the Obi-Wan trailer uh, because when that mo- when that movie, when that show airs, I want to be able to see that with the freshest eyes possible. And I, I do that for quite a few things, but there are other things that like, yeah, I'll watch the trailer. It's not really that big deal. Are we, are we defend one? Uh, so pull the uh, train against Nicolas Cage first. Then we'll do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so um, what did you guys think of the Bullet Train trailer? I I like it. I think it's it, visually it, it's stunning. Visually, it's 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 really stunning. It really reminds me a lot of. It reminds me 
it almost is like a high fructose uh, smoke and aces and Quentin Tarantino movie put together. Just massive, uh, massive nonstop action. Um, the the first thing I can think of right off the bat is the part in Kill Bill One where she's walking through the train station with her katana. Just her katana's out, and everyone's walking with their katana out. Um, my only fear with this movie is that it's gonna fall into being compared against a Tarantino movie. Um, and that's going to take away the the funness of it. Um, I think it's going to be nonsensical at the when it needs to be nonsensical um, in a time where we need more nonsense rather than seriousness. Um, I don't want a message. I just want you to die fast. <laughs> I, I agree with that statement. I don't I don't want a political message. I don't want an atmosphere message. I just want some nonsense. I don't think. I, I don't I'm not sure that I agree with the Tarantino uh, analysis of it. I kind of got more of a like a like a reluctant John Wick mixed with like a little bit of a Deadpool sprinkling. Okay. Um, it's it's funny that you say that because I mean, do you know who's directing it? No, I don't. It's, is it Tim Gunn? It's David Leach. Oh, it is. Okay. So it's the director of Deadpool 2 and the uncredited director of John Wick. Wow. So yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I get, I, I do get a reluctant John Wick with some, some like we'll, we'll call it Deadpool seasoning, um, <laughs> with like, um, you know, there was an assassin movie on Netflix, uh, with Mads Mikkelsen. I can't remember the name of it. Polar. Where, Polar. Yes, Polar. Where oh. it was, where it was almost like a, it almost John had Wick's like dad. um, John Wick's dad. Yeah, <laughs> it almost had a uh, what? What was that movie with um? Not Sucker Punch, but the other one with Michael Sarah. Scott Pilgrim? Yes. It almost has like oh, a Scott Pilgrimy kind of a background in uh okay. with a with like I said, with a reluctant a reluctant John Wick with some Deadpool sprinklings on it. Deadpool seasonings. I uh, so, it has it has my attention. Yeah. Um I I'm a little bit I'm very skeptical of this just because I feel like it's kinda reminds me of like Hotel Artemis, if you guys remember that movie. Yeah. It yeah. it's yeah. just this sort of like resurgence of like specific like ultraviolent action movie that's just kind of like the the whole genre has just kind of been watered down because we got like we got John Wick but then we got like Atomic Blonde and then we got Deadpool and then we got you know Hotel Artemis and then we got you know it feels like a lot of like movies are just turning towards this like style of of like action movie yeah the ludicrous action yeah the in that's that's the problem is is the is this just going to be chalked up to just another one of those and the high hopes that they, you know it's like it's got a great looking cast like, i i don't does. think i don't think it'll be chalked up as to just another one simply because of the names that are associated yeah with it. i think I, it'll, mean, I think it'll get a little more stand out in star power uh yeah, but getting I, brad pitt I, in one of these is certainly a feat yeah so who's the guy that's in the wolverine that's in this Hiroyuki Sonata is in is in this, and he's a guy that is. I'll watch anything he does just because I like him, and I, it's not that I think he's got some incredible range. I just think he's he's enjoyable to watch, and I almost don't want him to play anyone else. But but that uh, you know that Yakuza esque. Um, oh, he played. Didn't he play Sub Zero? He played Sub Zero. No, in, he was he was Scorpion. He was Scorpion. He was he was Scorpion. 
he's he's actually got quite the quite the list of movies that he's been in um where he's his his performance is always I feel like he always gives the best performance that he is capable of giving. I don't feel like he's ever phoned in a performance. I just feel like he hasn't quite found the role to cement him as a, a great a star as he actually is. Like, for example, again, going back to Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds was born to play Deadpool, right? That is that that's just clear when you see him on screen as Deadpool. I would have said um, that until I saw Freddie Stroma's Vigilante in peacemaker i think i think fair he he nails like a different i know he's not supposed to be playing deadpool but he reminds me a lot of like more insane deadpool that that the comics lean into anyway sorry to no no no, you're no absolutely you're fine but even i mean even like when you when you think of the role wolverine like they're like you you can't imagine anybody other than hugh jackman right for sure there are there are some people that were born to play specific roles and I just I think that he is a really really good actor and just hasn't found the role he was born to play. And I, f- I actually feel that way about quite a few actors out there that like they're really incredible actors and a lot of their performances are heavily slept on, but they just they don't find the role. This so this was supposed to be a uh, trailer versus trailer, so I guess we should talk about think- unbearable weight of massive talent. <laughs> We kind of blew that, didn't we? Yeah, well, just actually, speaking of speaking of actors who are slept on, <laughs> oh my god, yes, I I hate that he's become such a joke, dude. Nicolas Cage is like one of the best actors ever. He he really he really is, um, and I I think he just it it almost feels like he gave up after Ghost Rider two, which is really sad because I like Ghost Rider. Too. I will I will defend <laughs> the first Ghost Rider. Till the day I die, I thought that that movie was incredible when I was, you know, when it when I was a kid and when it came out. And I like just him in Wild at Heart, Wild at Heart, he's super. Oh my god! Uh, but, adaptation. I there's so many movies. I mean, recently Pig, Pig's great. Um, What's on Colorado? Colorado sequence. That's that's Colorado sequence is great. Color out of space. Oh, Mandy. God, I am not nailing this tonight. Am I? <laughs> Mandy, he was he was. Uh, uh, noir and in, into the Spider Verse. Yes, he uh, was Spider Noir. That was another another slept on performance. Raising Arizona, Face Off, National Treasure. Uh, like it's you know, oh, Moonstruck. He's he's in like he's in so many things and he's he's great in every one of them. But right, we all chalk it up to he's insane. <laughs> which which is why I am I am actually very excited for this movie where he plays himself and yeah. he is just. He's just gonna be Nick Cage, like just be Nick Cage, dude. You don't, you don't have. He doesn't need to find that role to cement his place among the stars. He just is. So, yeah. with that being said, now let's let's look at what what do you think is the more enticing movie? Because I'll tell you right now that the Nicolas Cage movie is more enticing to me. I'd agree. Only, only because it, it's like, how original is it that you're the. It's just it's it's an insane premise that's so good. Yes, you know I I agree. I think I think if if you're putting movie movie versus movie with Bullet Train and the Nick Cage movie, uh, I am far more interested in the Nick Cage movie. It's gonna be a Nick Cage movie. Absolutely, it is. All right, and then I guess it's just up to you and me for this next one: Obi Wan versus the Boys season three, since 
since uh, Matt hasn't seen uh, the Obi Wan trailer. I have not seen the Obi Wan trailer, but um, I have. I'm a huge, huge fan of the boys. Did you read uh, the comics? I did. I have not read the comics. I've read a couple of them um, just to kind of see how they, how the comic actually is. I do want to read them. They do actually look very well done. Yeah, I've read the um, first two volumes of the um, like collections or whatever they're called, which is which makes this trailer so interesting because uh, in the comics they uh, <laughs> so so the big reveal of this trailer is that uh, Butcher has laser eyes, but yes. in the comics they almost immediately take Compound V to fight superheroes. It and there's no like. There's no working There's no... around problems. It's just them versus the soups, which is interesting that they've finally gotten to. Yeah, so... I, I do want to see that. Um, and I had heard uh, some rumors uh, that they were maybe going to do the hero gasm story. Uh, oh, I yeah, guess... that's I think. Yeah, they, they they put out the script and they said that's like episode six or something. They're <laughs> they're and really so, going for it. So for for those that that haven't read the comics, um, I'm not. I'm not gonna go into what the hero gasm <laughs> is, because uh, I, I hope to see it. Yeah, it's it, it's. I hope to see it play out on screen, and I hope they do it every bit of justice it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's gonna be a good episode. But um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take this one first. I'm gonna let you take this. So what's your take on Obi Wan? Um, cautious optimism. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, I, that's a good that's a good one right there. I, I, you know, I was so disappointed by the end of Book of Boba Fett, and I I haven't really been into these like nostalgia grab oh. projects as much at all. Like I wasn't super big on Mandalorian season three. I thought it was good, but I'm not a big fan of these like cameo fest Star Wars projects where it's just. I'm gonna have to say I agree with that. Um, huge, huge. Speaking from as a huge Star Wars fan, I have to agree with that. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I like to I like to let a show finish so that I can watch it kind of all at once. And all I heard about the Mandalorian in in its first season was that it was glorious. And while watching the Mandalorian again all at once, I kept waiting for that for that moment where it got interesting even uh now there is one episode out of the first season of the mandalorian that i thought was a top tier episode it was it was the one where it was kind of like a it was kind of like batman right he was on he was on the the ship they locked him up and he just kind of went around this ship with very little weaponry because they had taken everything from him was that the first just, bill burr episode i believe so yes where where the- he's just where he's just beating the mess out of these people. Uh, and Clancy Brown's in that too. Yeah. Clancy Brown. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Krabs. Yeah. I think the guy who voices uh, Anakin in the Clone Wars is also in it as like a guard or something. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah. That makes that. I mean, that makes sense for a Star Wars. They, I mean, they stuff in hidden cameos all the time. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm just like, it looks like it can be good. It, and that's that's pretty much where I'm gonna leave it. Like it it could be good, but I am just so worried that like this is just gonna be another like Disney Plus show where nothing freaking happens. Yeah, that's that that's my feeling too. Is I'm 
um, like you said, I'm optim optimistically apprehensive. I'm really, yeah, I just they they they've burnout. Got, they've, we're we're experiencing Star Wars burnout just because they've like. I don't know that it. I would. I don't know that I would call it Star Wars burnout. I would. I would. Um, let me ask you a question. Did either one of you see the Han Solo story? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. How did you feel about the Han Solo story? Nick, why don't you go first? Not good. Not good. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I thought the cast did a good job, but like, I just like. It felt like a by the numbers origin story, like, oh, this is how he got this. This is how this is how he got his last name. This is how he met Chewbacca. This is the Kessel Run. Do you guys understand? Reference. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> I have a drastically, drastically different opinion on than Solo. most people. Than most people. And I know my I know my opinion is real different. I think and I know one individual listener that is probably going to, I'm going to get a phone call when this is, when he hears this, he's going to punch me in the face through the phone. So be nice, Mr. Mendel. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think solo is, is a, is a insanely good movie. Um, I think that you take, you took a movie after 40 years, you took characters who we thought we knew and I will defend it up and down left and right. You took a bunch of characters we thought we knew and we thought we knew the stories about we thought we knew and we had all our ideas about about these characters and i will defend this till the day i die this is the way i feel is that you a you turned it right on its you put it right on its butt you put everything you just you totally reshaped a bunch of ideas about certain characters um and it's the first movie i've ever seen that after a, a hugely popular franchise you now have there's only been one other movie that's done that for me and um, you just totally took these characters and you go, oh, my God, Han Solo is Han Solo. Sorry, Han Solo is not the coolest guy in the universe. He's the biggest dork we've ever met. Uh, Lando Calrissian is not a ladies man. He's a degenerate gambler who's so in debt to the Empire that you start looking at, you know, the the Republic is nothing more than they just want political power. Um, you have. You have the Sith that are nothing more than mob henchmen. Uh, you have, you know, it's just why, you know, it kind of solidifies why Lando uh, sold out uh, Han and Luke, for, you know, to clear his name. It's it's a pretty amazing thing that, you know, you go, huh, oh, my God, I have a new perspective on these characters that totally changes my outlook on them. And I've never, I've only seen that two times, one being Solo and the other one being the batman and i will i will defend that till the day i'm done defending or you just tell me to shut up um and i thought it was i thought it was great do i think it's the best made star wars movie no do i think it's best for what it accomplished yes and that's that's a lot of people are going to hate me for these statements but this is my opinion and that's i'm sticking to it that's that's fair uh as far as uh i'm concerned uh solo while it is a interesting set of information is an ultimately unnecessary movie uh, i feel like it could have been if you if you if you came up with i would say two more hours of usable content it could have been a mini series wait that... matt 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 i'm sorry are you talking about black widow or you talk about solo oh, i'm sorry you're talking about solo i'm sorry I well, you, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah don't get me started on black widow either um <laughs> it, 
it, it two more hours of usable content it could have been its own mini series with its own you know there's there's the information that we were missing however again ultimately unnecessary and sport i will give you the mini series spoiler alert it also felt like a really really long way round to inform the population that darth maul isn't dead but if you're a true star wars fan you've seen all of the clone wars and star wars rebels and you would know that darth maul didn't actually die which is kind of my reservation as far as obi-wan is concerned because we know how darth maul's story ends we know how obi-wan's story ends again you would have to watch the uh, Clone Wars and Rebels series, uh, but like even Obi Wan's love interests during the Clone Wars, get wrapped up with a nice little bow. So to have this story again, it could be very good, but you know ultimately, really... I'm worried that it'll be unnecessary. You know what this is really about, right? You know uh, the Obi Wan story. Really I have about? no idea what it's about. No, it's about him avoiding paying child support because he's he's Luke and Leia's father. <laughs> <laughs> not this again. Not this again. Did I got no money? I mean, the, the writing is kind of on the wall there. If you read between the lines, why um, do you think he's watching his kid? So as money, as far as as far as Star Wars burnout goes, I wouldn't say that it's burnout. I would say that it's hunger to be outside of the box that we are stuck in we seem to be stuck in the story of the skywalkers when in fact star wars the title in and of itself implies intergalactic warfare and i think to see more stories uh closer to rogue one and have it pull away from the soap opera of the skywalker family you would see less burnout and more interest in Star Wars. Get a more galactic scope on this story that's supposed to take place literally across the galaxy. Yeah, not on a Jerry Springer show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one big it's like one big intergalactic Jerry Springer show. Yes. <laughs> but um So with to... that being said, with that being said, what do we think about the boys? Um it's... Oh can't wait. I can't wait. It's honestly hard to say because after I watched Diabolical and I'm I'm honestly like not sure if I like the boys anymore. The Diabolical show was bad. But I... here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. Alright, so getting back to I guess we kind of strayed from exactly what we were trying to do with this. But anyway, the just whatever. This is what we do. The Obi-Wan trailer like lures you in. It's good. It's it's, it's exciting. It's it's like damn it Disney. It's, oh, I guess I I guess I'm not canceling my subscription. I guess I have to go and get it again, don't I? Um because you want so bad. You want so bad for for Star Wars. Like you're you're waiting for this and you're waiting for that refresher. And I'll give it to the I'll give it to John Favreau. They did it. They brought they brought interest back. That was great. Um are you going to get a home run every time? No, you're not. Um, you're just not going to get it every time. And it, it's unfortunately, it is <laughs> with Book of Boba Fett. And this is Obi-Wan is, is up against, you know, you're only as good as your worst. And now you're now it's like, well, you need to make up for Book of Boba Fett in my book. Um, and so it has a lot riding up against it. Is it exciting because we get to see Darth Vader? Yes, that's the exciting part. Is it cool because it's Hayden Christensen and 
now you've got John Williams music. Yes, it's got a lot. It, it has a lot of weight on its shoulders. Now you look at the boys trailer, the boys trailer, when you start looking at it, it absolutely looks stupid at first. And I was like, whatever. And then by the end, you're like, hot oh, damn, dude, I, I want to see that, you know, especially talk about laser eyes. I mean, that's dude, that was that was dope. And especially, you know, what limited knowledge I have about it. And the one thing I do know about it is I hope they do, you know, and like I said, I don't want to give anything away if anyone doesn't know from what the rumor I heard. Um, and it is only a rumor I heard. I might be wrong, but it's enticing enough that you go. Great. This is going to be awesome. So, you know, and I think you, my favorite part of the boys trailer is the fact that there's not a single spoken word. There isn't. No, there's no, there's no dialogue. Now I have to go back and look. It's yeah, it? it's all it's all like expositional, uh, you know, artistic shots of the individual characters overlaid over some music, and I think that that was top tier. Well, despite what I just said, uh, Obi Wan versus the Boys season three trailer. Um, I think I'm gonna go with the Boys trailer. I'm going with the Boys. I, after Book of Boba Fett, I'm just I'm too like I'm too worried. <laughs> I'm I'm going. Yeah. You know what? That's and that's the thing is that if this was anything else, like if this was like Obi Wan versus like the British Baking Show, I I that'd be a hard one too. But I would probably <laughs> Obi Wan. I said, but you know, there's cakes in there. But I'll tell you that because of the fatigue with Obi Wan and the weight that it's carrying, and the boys is just the way it was delivered. You were like, this looks stupid, and then at the end, you're in, you're like, holy god, this is this is great. I I'll give it to the boys. Not not what I would have thought at the beginning of the week, but it's the boys. All right, moving from one superhero to the next. What are our thoughts on the Batman boys? The Batman boys. The Batman boys. Batman yeah. boys. The Batman you, boys. Batman boys. Is that got Carl Urban too? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so with laser eyes. <laughs> why, why don't you take it first, Nick? All right. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I've already been I've already been thinking about this for a bit. I like it. Uh, I think more than some of my more uh, uh, in-depth uh, film friends that I've made here at college. But um, I I love it. I love the Batman. I think it is probably the best Batman movie we've had. Um, just from a technical yeah. level, I think the the production design is like some of the best we've ever seen. It's so on point. It's very like, it's very Batman, which I felt like the the Nolan trilogy really kind of got away from. They went for this like military realism that just it doesn't work as well as this. And this is like kind of gothic noir in a way, and it just works better. And I think uh, Pattinson's amazing. Like I kind of said last episode, I think everybody in this movie does a fantastic job. I think the the writing's great, and then I think I've I've narrowed down the the few problems that I've had with it, and the few problems that I have with it are pacing slash length, and then what that kind of entails for uh, the movie, which is the movie gives you no time at all to sit on anything. It is constantly in the shoes of Batman. Besides, like one or two scenes I could think of where he's not in it, but he is in the movie in pretty much every single scene. And that doesn't give you any room to really experiment cinematically with with kind of anything you're doing because you're so involved in the plot and it's got to keep going. You got to keep pushing forward. Next clue, next clue, next clue. 
and that's maybe the only thing I think that's that's holding me back from from saying that this movie is a masterpiece. Maddie, what do you think, man? I have very very mixed feelings about this Batman movie for a number of reasons. Uh, there were some scenes in it that were just so absolutely cringy. The thumb drive scene. <laughs> the thumb drive scene was so cringy. Oh, like it, come on. That joke was good. It 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 broke my immersion in the film immediately. <laughs> the the penguin waddle scene was another one that Oh was come so on, dude. That was like five so... that was like not even five seconds of the movie. Come yeah, on. It's I I understand that. But um really the I guess the hardest part of that movie for me to get past like ultimately those are pretty funny jokes the hardest part of that movie for me to get can i guess you want to guess i'll give you i'll give you i'll give you two guesses it's catwoman's line about no privilege nope no no go ahead second alex you want to take the second shot nope (laughs) the hardest part of that movie for me to get past was the rolling theme song in the background The, no. it, it's the first like three or four notes of the Imperial March slowed down <laughs> and then you miss out on like like the last bits of the Imperial March and it was so distracting like I, I, I realize that you're trying to set a tone and create an atmosphere and that's fine but maybe like come up with your own music just do you, just, it, just try do like, you, um, did I, did I ruin that for you no, 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 no. So I had I had already seen the movie uh, when I heard last week's episode and you made that mention. <laughs> and while we were watching the movie, even at one point, like while we we're sitting there, my girlfriend kind of leans over and she whispers in my ear. She's like, doesn't that sound like Darth Vader's music? I said, you know, that's exactly what it sounds like. It's been driving me nuts this whole time. Other than that, Robert Pattinson did a much better job than I expected from him. I had some pretty serious reservations about him being Batman, and I think that really a lot of him doing such a good job came from the lack of dialogue. He doesn't speak much. He He's just kind of there as a menacing, ominous force, which is kind of what Batman is supposed to be, especially when you consider the year two long Halloween kind of theme that they're going for uh other than that the only other complaint that i have about the movie would be just because you're doing the long halloween doesn't mean it needs to be that long (laughs) it did have some really kind of incredible things uh that scene on the bridge where uh right after the chase scene is over where he's just come shooting out of this fireball right and he comes screeching to a halt and you have this upside down shot, his cape billowing, and there's the massive fireball behind him. Incredible cinematography. Incredible. Like that, like that was an incredible shot. They had a lot of scenes in the movie that were like that. I don't know if I'd qualify it as a masterpiece, but I think that a follow-up kind of correcting some of those things could be a masterpiece. Alex? Fair enough. I think it's damn near perfect. I think it's in in that's really hard for me to say that. I think the casting is perfect. I think with Robert Pattinson it, he he's the I'm in mourning still 
no one's hurting as bad as I am. And he's just broody. He looks on unwashed sometimes because, you know, and you notice that, especially at um, the funeral scene for the mayor. Um, yeah, I, I do like I do like the burned out. I've been I've been up all night for days on end. I'm I'm rough and and don't talk to me until I've had like a sip of coffee. I love that aesthetic that they went with. There was a scene where he first comes out and he comes up to Alfred at the at the coffee table or whatever, and he can't stand the light, so he has to put on sunglasses. I thought that was awesome. Yep. Yeah, and and coming from a a night shift worker. I work seven to seven overnight in, as uh, for my full-time job. And I promise you that that is absolutely an accurate thing. Every single light is hard on your eyes. Like it is, I cannot go anywhere without sunglasses. So for him to stand in his, in his living room basically and need sunglasses, I understand that. And I thought that that actually made him more real. Yeah. The, the fact that he gets, he gets beat up so many times. Um, I think that, you know, other than outside of like any Jackie Chan movie um, where the hero is, is he's just hurt. Fun fact, Jackie Chan said that the reason why he does that is because Bruce Lee never gets hurt in any of his movies. And he that's why he does what he does. But going back to the only other time, I think the first time we ever saw that was in the Daredevil series where, where he basically had it handed to him the whole time. He just basically he took beatings. And that's the thing is we see it so many times in this. I think we see it, you know, during a couple of fights, he gets he gets the living hell beat out of him. And you and another, you know, which was another really cool shout out is there's actually an Alex Alex Ross picture uh, paint, you know, picture that that he did where it's Batman putting on the suit and you can see all the scars up his back and all the bruises. And I thought that was a great, you know, callback to that. You're starting to see a guy who's he's he's not over it. He he can't control his emotions yet. Um, he's so insanely brutal, and he's just taking out every one of his emotions on these people. They that's we, we've always seen Batman is the most you know almost like like they you know basically like a monk, like he was trained to be uh, emotionless. You can see that it's just he's not there yet, and that's that's an amazing thing to me. The amount of brutality that he inflicts on people um how much gotham doesn't like him really the the police despise him they think he's a he's an absolute menace um they are you know he's a vigilante um, yeah absolutely i i agree with that too that that is that's something that i feel like is uh missed in almost every batman movie is that you never really get the pushback from the police that yeah. that I mean, Batman always had, and they do actually do a good job of showing that, like, we should be locking him up. What are you talking about? How do we know that he's not the murderer? How does he, how is he just happened to be in the right place at the right time every single time? That's, yeah, I mean, it, textbook it, it, serial killer. It plays out well with his, his, um, his relationship with Gordon yes. in that. Yes. Um, Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell, amazing. amazing. Masterful, masterful performance. Grotesque, um, just grotesque. I'm glad that they didn't give him that Burgess Meredith laugh. I'm glad we didn't get that. I'm glad we didn't get a bunch of penguins following him around and, and a bunch of penguin bombs. Would that Wait, you funny? don't like you don't like the Danny DeVito penguin? <laughs> well, th it's interesting. This this version of the penguin, like 
they say he he doesn't like being called the penguin so i think we're going yeah. to get a lot of subversion like that where you know we don't get actual penguins we don't get you know a monocle or or a they might give him a cigar eventually but not in a pg-13 movie as yeah. we found see, out i would yeah, i would like they... to see i would like to see corrupted oswald cobblepot mayor is what I would but, like to see going forward. Another thing that was cool was, did you guys notice at the beginning when when he when he's first coming out, when they're like, you know, when everyone's freaking out because the bat symbols up? Did you guys notice the helicopters? It's a it's a perfect callback to Batman the animated series. Yes. Where they're looking, it was a yes. Insane. I got a jet going over my head. Awesome. <laughs> um, amazing. The things that they they threw in there. Um, like I said, back to Colin Farrell. If you didn't know that was prosthetics, you wouldn't have known that was Colin Farrell. There was no slip of his, of his accent. You know, there was no slip of these things. They they nailed it. Um, Jeffrey Wright as as Gordon. Oh my yes. God, amazing, amazing. The guy is just is he kind of playing the same role as he was in um, Westworld, sort of. But he's just it, it, it's perfect for it. Um, John Turturro. I hate John Turturro. I think he's I think he's he's become a living joke from either from, you know, playing Jesus or playing um, in the Transformers. And even when he was in Do the Right Thing, this this role where it was so different for him and he was just he was filthy and he was slimy. He did it. He did a wonderful point. But the most amazing part, and I'll give it to this and I and I alluded to this with Solo, is the fact that the the evidence that they brought with the killing of of thomas wayne and martha wayne the new the new light they shed on that the new spin they put on you're talking dude you're talking for me 47 years worth of material you go oh my god i never thought about was it it was it a you know was it a, a setup hit you know to take to take out thomas wayne well i think these these waynes might be part of the court of owls which is that's you know, that I mean, is something that i would like to see done well it's What's so nice about this is that they've they've given up they've given us so much setup for like what could possibly come next. Matt Reeves has talked about having Mister Freeze in a sequel. This kind of sets oh. up a zero year kind of thing. Yeah, um, there's there's the venom you... at the end that he uses, which could set yeah, up Bane. That, that was it's, I feel like that actually alludes to the fact that he may have already encountered Bane. Maybe. And... Maybe. Like my, you know, my brother, we, my brother's a huge Batman fan. We've, we've talked about this at length already. And when he, when he takes that shot, right, it's, it's got a distributor in his suit. It's not a, it's, it wasn't like an adrenaline needle. It wasn't an EpiPen. It was, he has a distributor in his suit. To me, that reads as he has already encountered Venom, def yeah. uh, Venom, encountered Bane, defeated Bane, and learned from whatever technology bane was using to juice himself yeah you, i'll give you a little you guys... pushback on that and say that i don't think he's like fully faced off against bane just because i think this is going to be the start of venom addiction for him and i think that'll Did lead you... into a kind of nightfall-esque story which i know they did with rises but i don't know that's did fair. you guys even think about did you guys even think about the fact that did they get into who's even manufacturing the drops they did not get into that. No, well, I mean, it's that. kind of implied that it's the Falcons, because yeah. I mean, yeah, they he stares he... down at them as as they're packing it up. Yeah, but you didn't think about maybe it was Scarecrow. Yeah, that mm -hmm. there's there's that possibility too that the drop that the manufacturer, not the sale, was 
Scarecrow. The Falcons are the distribution and the sale, but not necessarily the manufacturer. And I, I, I do see that as well. Maybe. Because his you know, whole thing I, is to make you hallucinate, right? So, You know what's really funny, though, is that um, I thought about this. Is now they brought in, you know, they brought in Catwoman. They brought in the Penguin. They brought in the Joker, per se. The only thing they need to bring in is they just need King Shark to show up so he can get sprayed and blow up. And it's a complete callback to the Batman movie. <laughs> shark spray? <laughs> with shark with uh, uh, Adam West? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, so, with a shark repellent? <laughs> you know, this is the only – this is the real issue I have with the Batman is that it's the one scene. It's the interrogation scene with the Riddler. And I'll give it this. There was a point where you even, you're like, oh, my God, the Riddler's still an issue they have to take care of. That was amazing that you actually forgot about that section of it, and there was more to come. The interrogation scene, I know it played its part, and I know it was setting up how crazy it was. I just feel Paul Dano's, I feel like that scene was sort of, caught, sort of phoned in. Do I think this is a masterpiece? Yes, I do. It's phoned in yes, because it's what Dano is best at, is just being a freaked out little weirdo. <laughs> But here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Do I think it's this generation's Blade Runner? Yes, I do. And I will say that 100% because of so many similarities in the way that the movie, the the problems it was encountering from the script. No one wanted this movie. Hey, this movie's an actual noir, though. Yeah. Oh, don't. We, that's a whole other thing, my friend. <laughs> my, my nephew. <laughs> Do I think it's do it? And I will be more than happy to approach that. I've already taken crap this week uh, from one individual, and I definitely will. I will stand to it. This is this this generation's Blade Runner. This will go down as the pinnacle of of superhero movies, um, standalone superhero movies in its in its own right, and what a superhero movie could be and can be and should be. And that's that's mine. I don't think it's alone in that category. I think mm -hmm. that I think that it is. Uh, I think that it competes in the same realm as Logan. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I think it competes I, in the same realm as Logan, and I would like to see more superhero movies like this, the same tone, the same kind of ominous where, you know, it's just... Yeah, that's, that's really starting to be grating in the MCU is how everything's kind of the same tone, and it's all just sort of... Yeah, we yeah. need... I would, I would say that to, to see something where there's a little more um, just... Maturity? Kind of, yeah, maturity and just ominous foreboding almost, you know, like, yeah, Logan and this Batman are, I would say, in their own class. And I would like yeah, to definitely. see more, more movies meet that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Matt, you don't think it's a masterpiece? I no? do not. No. Nick, do you think it's a masterpiece? It's close. I, I think it is a masterpiece. Let's get into it. What's a masterpiece? <laughs> Let's get into the real the real issue. If these are if if we are drawn on this, so Nick, what is a masterpiece to you? What, to me, the movie that's a masterpiece. This answer will surprise no one who knows me, but Alien's a masterpiece. Alien Why? is a masterpiece. Why is it a masterpiece? Because it's a beautiful gothic painting unto itself. It is a work of art. It is the best horror movie. It is the best science fiction movie, in my opinion. It is so many things to me and I, I i don't think i can fully explain in words what this movie means to me because it it kind of shaped me it shaped my movie viewing experience this is like this is this is my holy grail this is my one man 
and I can I can start rattling off, you know, like production design, writing, directing, acting, music, you know, I can start rattling off all this stuff, but at the end of the day, I think this movie touches for me a a very it's just a deep personal connection. I just <laughs> I don't even I don't even know how to like put this properly. It's just like it's beautiful. It is scary. It is so many things that how old were you when you saw Alien? Do you think? Uh, I don't want to put my mother in a bad light. I don't want to. I don't want to answer this question. Um, no, I was. Uh, <laughs> I was probably nine or ten. I this saw was one like, I this was the first kind of R-rated movie that I watched, just because this was the one that I really pushed for. My first encounter with this movie was. It was actually with Aliens. I saw it in like a Best Buy somewhere, like being just played on a TV as like a display movie. It was yeah. it was the scene where it was Alien versus uh, the the Queen versus Ripley at the at the yeah, very it, end, and that it just kind of like captivated me because nothing else looked like that as as a movie. Like even now, nothing looks like Alien. LV four twenty six is like the most visceral planet i've ever seen in a science fiction film it is it's incredible it's just you you have a look on your face do you want to do we get a lot of screen we don't get a lot of screen time of the actual no he has he has four minutes of screen time i read today and that's it's really funny that you said like like you probably saw aliens at the right time to see aliens do you know what i mean the best scene to walk in on I saw Alien when I was about eight in the same situation where you just happen to walk into the right scene at the right time. I walked into Alien when the chestburster yeah. was coming out. Dude, you want to talk about like a weight? It's like, whoa, what is that? It's like, that's a thing? And for an eight-year-old boy, it's like, oh, that's pretty awesome. And that's the thing about Alien is, I do agree, there isn't, Alien set up its own thing that industrial that industrial sci-fi is so it's yeah so it's, good. it's it's taking it's what star beautiful. wars did and making it like even more realistic and and kind of visceral it's it's like you know it's it's the aesthetics of star wars applied to real life is there any rust in star wars i don't think there's any rust anywhere in star wars oh there's gotta be in in the in the original trilogy at least man there there has to be some rust somewhere because they were but, all about that kind of aesthetic of like you know beaten down. But that industrial horror is that industrial horror that industrial sci-fi is is so. I love that. I love that industrial. Not everything's sleek. Everything has it, parts have purpose on the ships. Yeah. That if you go through and you look at the way if you watch any of the documentaries of what they were you know what things were made of you go oh my god are you serious yeah um even like another really interesting fact is you brought up that it's it's such a beautiful sci-fi movie it's such a beautiful horror movie it's both it's exactly what you said it is it's both just like every other basic horror movie you always say well why can't they just run the other way they can't run the other way there's no other way to get out yeah you're you are trapped in you are trapped in space and you are stuck with this thing its whole purpose is to eat your head. And, and that you know, is my prison. favorite part about Alien. The original Alien is the isolation horror. It's a haunted house movie in space and you can't yeah. leave the haunted house. 
Right. The yeah. isolation horror. It's it's the same type of horror that birthed the thing where there is nowhere to go. You are going to win or you are going to die. And it is so menacing to see to sit there and like even after the fact, like, what would you do in that situation? What would like legitimately what would you do? You've you've got nowhere to go. You've got really no way to defend yourself mm-hmm. against this this thing that yeah. can rip you limb from limb, literally. And even even if you do attack it in any way, it's gonna it's gonna bleed acid at you, which is is right. Is a it's, really fun detail, which uh, Ron Cobb uh, he actually like said he was like, well, why can't they just shoot the thing? And he was like, well, what if it bled acid? What if it just ate through the ship's hull if you tried to kill this thing? Which yes. is, oh my god. Right. Now, now, now the answer is, okay, we can't kill it. We have to contain it. And where do you go from there when it's picking off your crew one by one and nobody stands a chance? Yeah. So I, I do agree with Nick. I do believe that the original Alien is absolutely 1,000% a masterpiece. I don't, yeah, I can't see a... I can't think of a flaw in 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 this movie. I just can't think of a flaw. And it's not that every masterpiece has to have a flaw. It can be flawless. It's like you said, it's that it's that hypertension at all time. It's the, you know... Even the initial the initial setup, the, the whole, like, we've got a beacon from, from this dead planet, and it's right. we're all, beckoning we're all coming us there. Out of, we're all coming out of cryo, and there's this crew that needs help, and we got to go there now. Is is this the first one that introduced um, cryo sleep? The idea yeah. of cryo sleep. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's 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 hyper sleep. It's not cryo sleep. Oh, oh I, I'm sorry. One faster than the other. <laughs> whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> if just it's if we're thing. being technical, uh... <laughs> it's the difference between a nap and a sleep. <laughs> <laughs> But, but it is. It, I'll I'll give you that, Nick. It is. It's definitely a. Um, it's definitely a masterpiece. It it set up. Is nothing. Nothing else feels sci-fi? like it. I'd say. Like. This, not even aliens feels like alien. It doesn't. It doesn't. And that's. And that's. That's. Do you think that's attributed to the timing, the era that it was released in the seventies? I. It's really hard to say because like. Like I'm saying, no, I can't name a single other movie that feels quite the way this does. Like, I, I love the thing to death, and I, I, I acknowledge the kind of um, similar premise and setup where it's, you know, you're stuck with this thing. But this, it's, it must be something in the cinematography because it, it's yeah, I was just, just the about to way say... that it looks. It's so real and so grounded more than, more than you know... Something like Star Wars, something like, uh, you know, anything else. That's what I love about 70s cinema. I love that gritty and grainy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Practical effects, practical effects go so much further and, and they stand the test of time so much better than a lot of the uh, visual effects that we, uh, you know, employ today. Um, Yeah. Practical effects just they cannot be beaten. Yeah, you know. I mean, and, and props to props to Blade Runner twenty forty nine for actually embracing that the practical effects aspect. Yeah. On that one, that's I'll give it that man. They, I'll definitely give it that Alien is a is a masterpiece. Yeah. 
Let me here, so I don't have this page of notes go to waste. Let me let me let me note some of the things that I, I think uh, just help with why I think this is so amazing. Um, production design, first of all, I'm gonna say that first over directing, writing, acting, any of that. The combination of H.R. Geiger, uh, Ron Cobb, and Chris Foss, who collectively Geiger designed the alien, Cobb designed the spaceships, and Foss designed the kind of interior settings of everything. I'm, I I may have switched Foss and Cobb's jobs, but um, Geiger's Alien, it's it is a work of art unto itself. So when they showed the alien coming down, the, it, coming down, yeah. crawling at her, is that suit even fully zip, zipped up? Because I thought I heard it, it wasn't even zipped up. It might not like, have been. Might not yeah, have been. Like it, it was just kind of there. And that's <laughs> that's the crazy part. Like it can it can look it can look like you know it's just like standing like very like stiff as a board looking at Ripley and the thing's still horrifying to look at. And but you know, dude, part of that, part of that's just having no eyes. Yeah. And how tense is that? How tense is that line in, on the poster in, in space? No one can hear you scream. Dude, that's sick. Yeah. That's, that's an intense line, no matter how you frame it. If, if at any point somebody tells you no one's going to hear you scream, you oh. know, it's going to get, you know, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like imagine if you see that, and like you know, as like a seventy stoner, yes, like, you know, <laughs> yes. Your, your bell bottoms and your you know, or even disco disco Dan, yeah. like yeah. dude, come on, like you're like oh really? <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that, you know, on what top of this about that? <laughs> incredible production design, there is the script by uh, Donald Shusett and Dan O'Bannon. O'Bannon created a fantastic base script, which is just. Uh, you know that's the base premise, but then um, Shusik kind of went back and kind of you know spruced it up a little because it was more or less just a B movie with what they had, but he kind of added those those undertones of, of uh, male sexual assault and and the mistreatment of blue collar workers that is that is present in this movie that makes it kind of very interesting to me. You you mm. you have a puzzled look on your face. Do you do you not kind of know about? I never picked up on that. You never picked up on the male sexual assault? No. I guess I was just enjoying a space movie. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pick up on the mistreatment of blue-collar workers? I, I, I'm, I was still stuck on the chest burster. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the male sexual assault part? No, it was it was the part where something got stuffed down their throat and then they were forced to be pregnant and carry a offspring that they didn't want. Oh, that. Yeah. There's then, then there's that. Yeah. yeah. And then, then there's just the way it acts, just uh, the way it acts with Lambert in particular in, in the scene where she dies, where it's it's just like, it's acting really weird. It's like grabbing at her and its tail like wraps under her and you just don't know what happens there. And it's the, the implication is just very chilling. Um, as for the blue collar worker stuff, um, it's that mostly lies on, on the, the whole bonus situation stuff in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if we don't if we don't do this now, we're gonna lose our bonuses. We won't get we won't get paid. Basically, yeah. you're gonna do this overtime, or you're not getting your all your work is for free. The two hardest working guys on the ship are you know they're they're not being paid as much as everybody else. Even though we we see them do the most work out of anybody in the movie, I'd say, which is you know 
it's just great commentary for the time when when this was like really happening in the workplace where you know people were that's, just getting shafted still over happening. wages. Well, yeah, that's, yes, that's still happening. Yes, which which is uh, just helps make the movie timeless. Yeah. You can watch this movie at any point in time between now and and when it was released, and it is timeless. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is just how interesting it is that this movie is just the fallout of jodorowsky's dune because all pretty much like all of these people except scott and the actors were just paired together already to make uh alejandro jodorowsky's version of dune which uh didn't end up happening but it created this instead which is you know thank god <laughs> thank god this movie exists definitely all right Matt, you well, want to yeah sure I, I yeah i could take it from here uh so I, I kind of struggled with, with the question uh, for a little more than a day before I kind of narrowed it down because obviously there are there is more than one masterpiece out there. Um, and ultimately, I, I kind of zeroed in on Jurassic Park because it's, uh, again, practical effects can't be beaten. The, the effects from Jurassic Park, uh, from the original Jurassic Park, look better than the effects that we're getting out of Jurassic World. And it's not that I don't like Jurassic World. They're very fun movies, but the original Jurassic Park is a, it's on it. It's, it's on a level by itself. Cause they had the sense to, to do early CG in the dark instead of in broad daylight, which, you know, exactly. Uh, it also, you know, it's also got, you know, it won a couple of Oscars, you know, which doesn't necessarily define something as uh, uh, a masterpiece, um, but like it, it has real impacts on science and paleontology. It has, um, it has impacts on other movie franchises. Uh, it, it inspires season three for Stranger Things. Uh, it inspires. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I see your face. It, it absolutely inspires uh, season three of Stranger Things. It inspires uh, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. Uh, and it inspires George Lucas to go on and make the Star Wars prequels, all because of what was shown to be possible with the technology at the time. I also feel like it's genre bending, uh, where you have this, it opens, it opens with this terrible, terrible scene of a man being eaten alive, right? Like, it's like, we're going to, we're going to start a movie with an animal larger than a horse, eating another human being alive and then all of a sudden it's whimsical it's adventurous it's we're gonna go out and we're gonna we're just gonna explore what it would be like to clone dinosaurs and obviously you know as you know spoiler alert that goes way off the rails you got a lot of you know little fun things going on there like where uh dr grant scares the absolute mess out of a child at a dig site just because he mouthed off the wrong way. And back then you could talk to kids that way. Uh, then there's, you know, when, when uh, Nedry gets paid off, right. And, you know, they're, they're trying to be this, you know, it's corporate espionage and we're trying to be sneaky. And he's just like, nobody cares, dude. Nobody cares that you're here. Take the sunglasses off. You look like a douchebag. <laughs> and then there's, there's just like, you know, this whimsical tour. We're going to get in the trucks and we're going to go around the park and we've got these kids and, and, there is like very clearly Dr. Grant doesn't want to be around children, but hey, let's let's see how this plays out. Like this, you, you don't put kids with a man like this. Um, <laughs> and then, like I said, it, you know, it goes way off the rails. We've got some 
extreme violence very quickly. And for it to switch back and forth from absolute horror to kind of fun adventure, again, like I said, genre bending, like you, you don't see very many movies that switch tone almost like on a light switch like that. And even, you know, that scene with the T-Rex where the little girl is screaming, right? There's, um, yeah, it, there's the car has been flipped over. Yeah, there's an interview with Spielberg where when they shot that, he, you know, he he gave her notes on how she should be performing that scene and then she blows the expectation out of the water and and he interv- like he had an interview where he said that, you know, he went and asked her what she was thinking about and she couldn't put it into words and he said, "You know what? Never mind. I don't want to know. Just continue to bring that same energy while we're shooting this." It's um you know, you don't like that one isolated scene is so believable. She's so afraid. You don't see very many performances like that from anybody at any point ever. You don't really ever see something quite that believable. You know, we've also got some, you know, interesting commentaries on society, just like you do with Alien, right? Like we call out the blood sucking lawyer immediately. Uh, and then you have a the entire character V and Malcolm, <laughs> right? You have you have the disgruntled em, uh, employee, right? Obviously, this you know everything would have been fine if that employee was treated right. And there's you know there's I guess there's two commentaries in that because you have the whole we spared no expense, <laughs> we spared no expense. You clearly did, <laughs> very very clearly. But everybody else seems to be happy to work there. You've got this big game hunter that has come on as your your wildlife warden basically right and he's he's hunted everything and he just has command of of all of these animals that have been resurrected into a time that they shouldn't be part of and then even when he dies this very experienced hunter you see him uh uh like just go for the bait hook line and sinker and you know how dr grant would know that raptors hunted that way where one is going to be standing at you, staring at you, while the others converge on you, so that you think you're fighting one-on-one, but really you're being surrounded and and subsequently defeated. How Dr. Grant would know that, like, there's no way that we would ever be able to guess at how prehistoric extinct animals, but the foreshadowing there, and then it actually happens. And then, you know, there's also the possibility that uh, uh, Sam Jackson's character isn't dead. (laughs) <laughs> just we, just without an arm just all we ever see is that he's missing an arm now obviously he's not on the helicopter with them leaving the island but you know he might have made it and you never know i mean you never know there might be a surprise reveal there i'm, I'm still holding out <laughs> hope if you ever uh you know if the guys making these movies ever hear that bring sam jackson back that's a, that's a <laughs> that'd be a real treat yeah and the 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 you know as as much of a meme as clever girl is now it's like the the kind of admiration for the hunt that he just he displays even when he's dying is like yeah yeah absolutely he's like um, he, he's he's genuinely impressed that these animals have outsmarted him yes which is such yeah, a, and, a fun moment and he you know he even comments to their intelligence you know when you meet him and the raptors yeah, they should all these... be eradicated these are these are the these are intelligent intelligent beings and you know every every jurassic park movie since then has explored the level of intelligence these animals may or may not have um but just the i guess the initial 
uh, respect and fear that he has. And again, to switch from, you know, the the same level of horror, just back and forth between the whimsical and the, the terrifying is... Yeah, even up to that final shot, or not the final, final shot, but, you know, the one of the T-Rex and the banners coming down, and it's like... Yes, you're absolutely. You're, you're at both scared and, like, amazed that you're just looking at this. Absolutely. I also... Most of modern media, I would say, centers on uh, a hero story of some kind, unless you're talking like, you know, romance films. And even then, they have kind of a hero arc in most of I think them. I, know what, I think I know what you're about to... There, there's no heroes here. There's just survivors. There's no, there's no like... The hero is the shine... T-Rex. Right. There's no, there's no shining knight at the end. There's no, uh, there's no overly uh overly worked out and chiseled uh meathead who gets the girl at the end simply because he's there the fact that it's just survivors from a like if like when you step back and look at this is a truly horrific event yeah (laughs) to to be to to be part or involved and the park's not even open this is not an open park this is this is barely even pre-show yeah yeah. For them to just survive and and be intact, I feel like that's um, that's not something we see enough of in in any story. Yeah, well, it's it's such a unique premise. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, like it's. I mean, that's oh, kind of all I got. That's kind of all I've got on it. Um, <laughs> You've I, spoken I from that, the heart. That's all we can ask for. I I think that that's like there like there's there's we could deep dive. Yeah, Jurassic Park for probably a week yeah um i i think that that's truly like that's that's the masterpiece that i zeroed in on at the end of the day good. you know it's really what's really interesting is when i was looking up you know what other people consider masterpieces such as like imdb it's funny because i think alien is number 49 and jurassic park is number 50 which was really good it was was funny to me because i knew what you guys were going to talk about tonight and i was like oh that was that was that was kind of a like yeah, there's a good sign right there, isn't it? And <laughs> Al, that's, that's... Al, where does yours land? Mine doesn't land on that at all. Uh, <laughs> mine is mine is not the movie I I at all. When I proposed this question this week, I didn't I didn't think I was going with this one, but I I settled on Fury, the movie that uh, about you know Brad Pitt. It's Brad Pitt, Shia LaBeouf, Michael Pena, uh, what's it called, Logan Lerman. Uh, John Brethall, uh, the Punisher. Uh, I apologize if I said his name wrong. Bernthal. It's about um, what's that? Bernthal. Yeah, Bernthal. Sorry. Um, yeah, here I am again, messing things up tonight. It's, it's all okay. right. It's all good. If you haven't seen this movie, it's a movie about a lone tank uh, during World War II, where their whole bl- platoon has been wiped out, and they're the last. They're the last tank, and it's about they lost one of their. Um, they lost their assistant tank commander. And they bring in this new kid, uh, who is a—he's—he's he's never been in the army. He is a clerk by trade, um, and now he's an assistant tank commander. And now you've got these guys who who just don't want this kid. They don't want him because, you know, they love their their other guys so much. I think and, it's also got a little bit to do with experience, not yeah, exactly. wanting to have to just. We don't have time to teach you, kid. 
We need yeah. you to we need you to understand it now. Yeah, and these are guys that these guys are that are are hardly hardly like hard chiseled dudes. You know, they say at one point war brings out the worst in you. These are the some of the worst human beings on the planet. Uh, John, uh, the Punisher, John Berthal, um, he he's an absolute backwoods what would be considered a hillbilly at the time. He's very he's a crude, nasty individual. Does he have the um, accent? He does. He, he has does. A, he's got he's got everything you would expect for like a backwoods yokel, of of you know that era, the World War II era. You got Shia LaBeouf. Or whatever, however you want to call him, Shia. You got him, Le and he's You got him, and he is. They call it his name's um, his name's Bible, and he is. He's a preacher, um, and he's he believes thoroughly that you know, although you know, men will die, he's going to live forever because he's he's one with the Lord. And you got all these guys, and they're just in this this nasty environment in Germany. And one of the nastiest scenes in the movie, it's a it's a it's a gritty, nasty movie. The first thing they make him do is go clean. You know, they they make him go clean. (laughs) They make the new guy go clean the blood off of the guy's seat. And the guy half the guy's face is sitting there. It's a nasty. It's not a pleasant movie. It's it's muddy. The tone is tense at all times. The tone is dark. The tone is smoky. It, it's very warlike. I would honestly have to say that this is probably the World War II version of Full Metal Jacket, of how insane war is at the time. I, yeah, and, I, I could agree with that, absolutely. And it's just absolutely, there's scenes where they're driving down this muddy road in Germany, and they drive over dead German soldiers that are face down in the ground. And they're just going right over them the the contempt that you know just the nastiness and the contempt they had towards the german people um and basically treating them like animals whether they're members of the nazi party or whether they're just regular german citizens they're treating them all as just nasty worthless individuals and they don't care because they feel if i this part every person that we run across is going to kill us and we, you need to be prepared to kill somebody else and treat them like they're nothing. They say it. Don't get too close to each other. You see the the brotherhood amongst each other. You see that, and they don't want this kid with them. They don't want to have to train him. They don't want to have to watch after him. You just you see it, and the the total hell they put this kid through. Brad Pitt, how hard he is on him, and it's not for the sake of just being a jerk that he doesn't want him. He's like, I got to be bad. I just have to be awful to you because it could mean me dying and you and you living there's a scene where they catch a german soldier and he holds this kid and they make he makes him shoot him and it's just this kid is like just shoot me just shoot me just shoot me after he just shot this kid and he's begging to die and he's like he's like nope and and he's like get in the tank um there's so many scenes where you would expect them to have like a last hurrah yay we 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 won this fight he's like nope we still have a job to do keep going and they just keep going and there's a firefight once the firefight's done they keep going they keep going and they keep going them just looting after they destroyed this town them just looting the apartments um that they went through that they blew half the building apart these are these are truly war built individuals who are like they said, it's just it brings out the worst in people, 
and they're the worst to they're worst the worst to this kid and at the end you just see you see the brotherhood amongst each other first not towards this kid because like you said it's it's either you or me and we don't want you here it's it's you feel it it's a nasty situation and it's just I can't, there's some really, really gnarly scenes and anyone that's ever seen it, one of the craziest scenes I've ever seen, there's a tank commander and they go up against this, like, um, it's like a super tank, a German super tank. They'd never seen anything like it. And this thing shoots a round off and it takes a guy's head straight off his shoulders. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen. It's one of the most chilling scenes ever. It has a lot of chilling scenes to this and it has such great performances. There's actors in it that I just don't care about that I feel have no range and they were born for these parts. They were just absolutely born for these parts and you can't, it's, it's, it's great. It's such a good, it's not that, Hey, this is a great, 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 great movie. No, it delivers. You leave. It's a very uneasy feeling movie throughout just the interactions between each other. Drained. It's just, it, you, you're very drained by this movie, but this movie is, I can't say enough about this. This is a this is a insane. It, it, it's an insane movie. It's it's great, and I think it's probably one of the movies that people just don't. I think it kind of got overshadowed by Inglorious Bastards. Um, number one, because I don't think he Brad Pitt didn't this movie his hair. come five years later. I thought it, it came. It right does no, no, it does come much later. Um, this was 2014. Inglorious Bastards was like 2009. Yeah, the the difference oh, between great. this movie and Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> this I would say is that Inglorious Bastards, while an interesting uh, thought experiment, uh, is ultimately not grounded in reality. Uh, whereas... Well, this, the, what I'm saying is this: it's not that they're the same. It's just you go, oh, Brad it's Brad Pitt, Pitt in another World War II movie, yay, with, with the same haircut. Yeah, and you go, didn't he just do this with the with the Fury cut? And at the time, I was in you know I was in barber school at the time when this came out, and the that 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 haircut was bad. It was bad. It was awesome. <laughs> it was badass. But it was just you go. That's the Fury cut, and you know you could Google <laughs> Brad Pitt Fury cut, and he had the same haircut in Inglorious Bastards. And yeah, is it is Inglorious Bastards its own thing? Yes, it totally is. Is it hyper-violent? Yes, it totally is. Fury is its own thing. It's it's hyper-violent. It's hyper-tense. But it's it's giving you the message that war is living hell. And that they do such a thorough job. You know, it's literally like them walking through hell. And it's it's a pretty... Uh, I think it's one of the most slept-on movies I've that I know of. That It's definitely... I think it will hold up. It's going to hold up as well as um, Full Metal will. Full Metal Jacket will, um, Apocalypse Now. It's gonna hold up, but it just needs it. It needs that. You know, the people that know, they know, and I will. I will put it into the same. <sighs> I don't know if I put it in the same category as Full Metal Jacket in Apocalypse Now, but you're also dealing with two different. You're I, dealing I put it with, in the same realm as Dunkirk. Okay, yeah, because you're also dealing with two different eras of wars. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I would I would say that a lot of what you're describing as as like the the visualization of actual living hell when you Yo, see Dun when you see Dunkirk and like even that opening scene where where the kid is just walking through France and he's a kid right like which is what these wars are are they were fought by they were fought by like sixteen to twenty two year old kids 
and you see him like walking through the streets in Dunkirk and and he just starts taking fire and he jumps over a fence to take cover and the fence is just bursting around him with bullet fire. It's the same. That's why I would say it's the same level of this is all bad. Like you said, with uh, like with with Fury, um, just just to see it living hell um, visualized for uh, for the masses who are fortunate enough to never have to experience that. Yeah, you you feel this movie. This is a movie you feel. Yes, it's amazing and you're saying mean, this about a David Ayer movie because the only David Ayer movie I've seen is Suicide Squad. And that's that's the crazy part right there. It's like what? Yeah, that is like, that's. That's Did another one of the, the the first one or the second one. First one. The first. Okay. But you just look at that and you go, you this movie you you feel it, man. Like you're gonna it's a it's a tense movie that you feel, and you feel you feel every bit of the characters, and you definitely go, yeah, I, that guy's a scumbag. I hate him. Like he's just the worst. And you're like, I can't wait till that guy dies. And you just there is some redeeming parts. There is redeeming parts, in uh. The confrontations you feel them and i'm not talking about the war confrontation the tension of the war confrontations yes but it's the confrontations between between the crew between yeah. the crew and it's yeah. really interesting because i did go back and i looked at things like shia labeouf pulled his pulled teeth out for this movie to very in and cut like literally endured like physical harm for this movie they were trained by navy seals they they didn't they didn't shower yeah and they didn't and they lived in the tank they lived inside this tank like that's just it's insane because it's like this is their home. This is their little little house and they defend it like it's their house. They talk about it. They talk about the tank and the tank's name is Fury uh, for those who don't know. And they talk about it and they just they're very possessive of it. And you did this to this this tank and like the interactions is more like older brother, younger brother, kind of like in the way that uh, in Lawless the interaction between the brothers and Wallace um, like that. And it's just, this is a movie that if you have not seen this movie, do not sleep on this movie. You know, I guarantee you. I'd have to, I'd have to agree with that, with that sentiment that it is a largely slept on movie that if it, if inglorious bastards didn't already exist and it had the proper amount of exposure should have done so much better than it did and have much more popularity than it than it does um yeah i mean the only reason i've ever been apprehensive about this movie is because of david ayer just because of his because of his other stuff i'm just like yeah i'll i'll watch it i'll uh, i'm not saying i won't i i never said that i won't you might have you might have gotten the hollywood clone david ayer uh director where he went off and his clone made some awful movie because (laughs) the clone was inferior (laughs) <laughs> so yeah definitely don't don't sleep on pure that's that's the uh it's it's a really it's a it's a magnificent movie it's a masterpiece well there you go all right <laughs> I, I would i would say that i agree with both of your picks uh for for uh masterpiece in their own right i think that the biggest qualifier uh to be a masterpiece is Will it stand the test of time? And... Uh, yeah, definitely. And from what I gather from what you guys both say, and I think what I said, I think the, the sentiment is echoed. Do we feel the tension at times? Yeah. Well, 
tension shouldn't be the only thing, but. But you, when you feel the, you feel the situations, and you feel the tension, and you feel the. It has to feel real. Yeah, that's it. It has, it has to. to it has to feel real. Dinosaurs and aliens need to feel real. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. I would. I would love. I would love for the opportunity to introduce someone to Jurassic Park as a documentary. For, <laughs> versus, Wait a few years, it'll happen. <laughs> and then versus you can, a. Yeah, it, and then after you've done that, then go ahead and introduce him to uh, Abraham Lincoln, vampire killer. So this is what happened. Oh man, <laughs> uh, another another slept on classic. I love that movie. Oh my god! Yeah, this is the, Not a, the nowhere se- near the second R-rated level. movie I ever saw in, <laughs> in nowhere, theaters. Nowhere near masterpiece level, but I I do I do like that movie quite a bit actually. All right. it, it it came out in an era where vampires were sparkly and romantic, and it made vampires the god awful monsters that they are supposed to be. All right, I I can't agree more with uh, any any of uh, any of the movies you've chosen. You know, Jurassic Park. Uh, I've yet to see Fury, but uh, I'm very much looking forward to it now. Um, but speaking of looking forward. What are y'all excited about coming up? Matt, what do you got, oh, man? What you got? I mean, uh, you know, uh, I am excited about uh, Doctor Strange and the uh, Mouthful of Marbles. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, really, I'm also uh, I'm excited for uh, the, a movie called The Northman. Oh, um, I have that on my list, too. It's uh, I've... I, I mean, there his work robert is, eggers yeah yeah man. his his work is the lighthouse I mean, and the the witch yeah it really is it's just so good he's he's incredibly talented as a filmmaker um and i've i've known about the Northman uh almost since it was announced like i think i found out about it like maybe a week or two after yeah. the announced and i've been uh salivating over this movie for quite well, a long yeah, time. Yeah, he, he announced, I think he announced Nosferatu. He was going to do a Nosferatu remake, which I think is still in the works for him, but then he was like, nah, I'm going to make the hardest Viking movie you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, I, yeah, it's, it, and, and from what I can tell, the casting is, is on point. Um, they've got, uh, one of the scars guards, uh, who, you know, their heritage is legitimately bloodline Norse Viking, you know, they like that. They have the genetics yeah. in that family to, uh, to portray that role. It's, it's, uh, I'm incredibly excited for that movie. Very good. Anything else? Uh, it's okay if you don't have an answer. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. I don't really have a whole lot of. I mean, you know, Obi Wan. I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about uh, the boys. Obviously, things that we've talked about tonight. I'm yeah. obviously excited over. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for those. I, I would like to see. I would also like to see like a real good horror movie. Obviously, being the horror buff that I am. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't. I haven't seen one in a long time that really gave me chills when i walked out of i it. hope northman's gonna be like a pseudo horror movie yes yeah, so, so do I. I i you know like again uh his work is just yeah I've, I've not seen a movie that he's made that isn't good i double featured uh the lighthouse with parasite 
and like the only reason I probably like look a little bit down on the lighthouse is because I saw it back to back. That's fair. Because that movie, oh my god! Speaking of masterpieces, man. That's that's another one that's like right there with the the isolation and the insanity of isolation. Yeah. Like, there's there's nowhere for you to go. Yeah. You're you're st- like you know obviously there's there's no alien or you know something trying to eat you but you're stuck in here with your own thoughts. <laughs> there may be something worse. Yeah, you're you're stuck in here with your own thoughts, um, which can be just as awful. Yeah, Alex, what are you excited about, um, man? I think I'm sold on the Northman. I think that's, <laughs> that's it. I mean, right now I just I need to get through the stuff I'm watching, and I'm excited on the Northman. You a talked lot. a little about uh, Chippendale. I have Chippendale again. Chippendale. Chippendale <laughs> looks like it's gonna be good. But yeah, I'm excited on the Northman. I'm excited to finally see Spider-Man. So, yeah. Oh, it's coming it. out a little bit early. It's coming out uh, this Tuesday. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then for me, everything we've we've kind of talked about, and then Moon Knight. I'm yeah, Moon Knight. I'm looking yeah, forward to yeah. Moon Knight, man. I think that'll be definitely. good. Alrighty, kids. Uh, thank you for joining us on this this episode. Uh, we are officially calling this little series Media Monsters, and. Uh, We'll see where it goes from there. Uh, but before we wrap up, uh, I want to give Alex a chance to uh, plug his socials and maybe Matt too. Uh, Alex? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Instagram under they got grape. Um, they period got period grape period. No, actually, there's no period after grape, but they got grape as well as on uh, TikTok and uh, as well as Facebook. Very good, Matt. Would you like to uh, plug your socials? So I, uh, I'm, I'm gonna sound like the oddball. Ah, of the century no here. socials. I, I am uh, just so behind the times on social media. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, All good. If if, uh, if anybody's trying to, to reach out to me, um, you know, send an email to the show and just you know pass the questions I'll, off to yeah, me. Yeah, I'll get and it. I'll get it to him. If there's, uh, you know, if there's, if there turns out to be just this overwhelming following that needs to talk to me, I will generate some socials. But for now, I'm, I'm still kind of a private guy. All good, all good, brother. Um, as always, you can find me at uh, this podcast as well as uh, Nick Nimkoff on Instagram and Twitter, and then we also have the Cinephile New Wave account. And uh, my blog, uh, nick.nimkoff.com, N-I-C-K dot N-I-M-K-O-F-F dot com. Again, that is N-I-C-K dot N-I-M-K-O-F-F dot com. Because I know some people cannot spell Nimkoff, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, kids. Uh, it's been good. Great having you guys on. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, Thank you, man. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. All right. See ya. See you next right. time, guys. All right. See ya.